You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey everybody, Andrew Gerza here. This is episode 4 of The Handicast, the podcast within Disability After Dark, where I sit down with my sister and co-founder of Handy, Heather Morrison, and we tell you all about our new line of sex toys for and by disabled people. So this is episode 4, and I'm so excited about this one, because we're going to tell you today about a new project that we're working on. On the episode today, we sit down with the Chief Operating Officer of Handy, Jess Tarpey, and we talk about our new project, a book that we are writing around sex and disability and how sex and disability really feels. So we sit down with her and we talk about what the book's going to be about and why the book's important and the kind of things we're putting in the book and the way we're curating um, people's responses. Basically, we are wanting people to send us quotes, stories, experiences they've had around sex and disability that we can then take their quotes and put it into like a a little quotable book that we can share with people so that people can learn how sex and disability really feels for people and some of the challenges they face trying to be sexual, some of the obstacles, and some of the triumphs too. So we sit down with our one of our leads on this project, Jessica Tarpey, today, and we talk about all that stuff and then we also give you some tips and tricks on how to um, how to contribute to the book and we let you know how you can become a part of this and we let you know how this project is coming together. So that's what we talk about today on episode four of the Handicast right here on Disability After Dark. Hey everybody, this is The Handicast, the podcast within the Disability After Dark feed where I sit down with my sister and co-founder of Handy and we tell you kind of some cool things we're doing with our sex toy brand where we look to put pleasure within reach and this is episode four of The Handicast. So I'm here today with my co-founder and partner in this, Heather, and we're really Hey, we are (laughs) super excited to kind of tell you some of the new developments about Handy. You've heard about the toy and you've heard about kind of what we're working on a little bit as we've brought guests on and talked about what we're doing. But now we're excited to bring you into a new part of the project, which is we are looking to write a a book about kind of sex and disability and all of the things that we experience as disabled people when we're trying to access sex and how all the feelings 
come up when we're trying to be sexual as disabled people and we're really excited about this and so we want to share with you today kind of how that came to be and kind of the team behind the the this project and the book we're looking to create so we are going to introduce you today to one of our team members at handy she's a, a great friend of ours her name is jess tarpy jess hello, hello. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Very excited. It's so nice to have you on the show today. <laughs> thank you so much. Good to be invited. Um, why don't you start by introducing yourself to us and sure telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do and just say hello to the Handicast world. Cool. Um, my name's Jess Tarpey and um, I hope, <laughs> hope Heather doesn't mind me saying this, but um, I'm very close friends with Heather. I hope she can't deny that on this, uh, <laughs> on this podcast. Um, I'm actually also Katie's cousin, Katie, who you had on last week. She's my cousin and a very lovely human. Um, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Handy. Um, which is a rather snazzy title, I quite like it. Um, but um, at the moment, I'm largely looking after um, applications for grants because we need to kind of keep the money coming through the door um, and uh, keep the lights on. And also um, what we're going to talk about today, which is the book. Awesome. Um, can you, and we're so excited to have you here, can you kind of illuminate for us your a little bit of your background and a little bit of how you what you've done what you did before you joined the handy team sure um i have always worked in creative agencies and ad agencies for my entire career so um kind of everywhere i'm from england originally but i think my accent's a bit of a mess these days because i've lived in quite a few different countries so um i spent a lot of time in london um, and france and then moved to sydney which i absolutely love and technically, I still live in Sydney now, um, but I'm stranded <laughs> because of Mr. COVID. I'm stranded at my parents' place, which just happens to be in Portugal. So that's rather lovely. Not too disappointed about that. But in my <laughs> ad career, I, um, I work in what's called account handling. So it's kind of, um, I guess, project management, client liaison, that kind of thing. So my most recent role was at McCann as managing partner for Sydney. Awesome. That's 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 a lot to uh, that's a lot to 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 do. Plus, when you're you know, <laughs> travel hopping all over the world doing that, that's a, that's a lot to manage. But it's really, you know, your expertise in this field have really have really added to kind of what we want to do with this project. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to hear about Handy and and what kind of what made you excited to want to join that our team? Yeah, for sure. So, um. As you know, I can't take any credit whatsoever for um, the concept of Handy. That was entirely you two. Um, and I, I actually remember the first conversation I had with Heather, who I'll now refer to as H, because I never call her Heather in real life. <laughs> but um, I remember the first conversation I had with her about it, where she said, um, do you know that sex toys don't exist currently for people with disabilities? And it was one of those moments where I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> why not? And um, I think every now and then in life you hear these ideas and you're like, I don't understand why that isn't already in existence and what a special thing to be able to be a part of. So as soon as she said it, I was keen as much to get involved. And um, I think I have done a little bit here and there along the journey, not nearly as much as you two over the course of 
well, it must be 18 months, isn't it, since you first started? Yeah. And then... Um, Closing up on two years, actually. Yeah. Wow, fast. yeah. Big journey. <laughs> big, big journey. And so, yeah, and then much more involved over the last four months. And um, honestly, I couldn't be happier. It's been such an incredible journey. That's, that's awesome. And I remember when Heather was telling me about you and telling me how excited you were. She's like, oh my God, you're going to love her. You'll have the best time. And I mean, that's, that is something because we've chatted every week to try to get this kind of book off the ground. And we've had like Zoom chats and we've had yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty extensive chats about my sex life and our sex life and, and those kind of things together. So it's been, it has been a really fun experience sharing that with you and getting to see how do we turn these kind of raw conversations into something that could be you know because that could be tangible yeah. for people to consume oh awesome likewise yeah i think um, that would have been really awkward wouldn't it if you were like yeah heather had said that you were great and then <laughs> it's been really crushing disappointment as usual the whole thing has been frankly a nightmare <laughs> no i honestly i've loved it I actually knew quite a lot about you creepily, <laughs> creepily from her already, because um, she told me um, that you were this amazing kind of disability activist and you were such a voice for the community. And so I kind of, I think a few times we've been chatting and I've said, oh, that's like that quote that when you did that article and you've been slightly freaked out because I know so much about your life. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're that kind of fan. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been awesome. I loved it. Um, and so how did the idea of wanting to create the book or wanting to create a book like this, can you talk about how that came, came into shape? Yeah, I can. That's been a journey as well in itself. Because I think originally, um, and Heather, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong here, but originally the idea for Handy was very much to create a line of sex toys for people with disabilities, kind of with and for the disabled community. And then as that kind of, as we kind of went through the process, and I say we, I wasn't very involved, it was you guys, as you went through that process, it became obvious really quickly that there was so much potential um, to think bigger and um, to think, to look to create a movement basically around breaking down the taboos around sex and disability. Um, and that's become, I reckon, I'd love to hear your opinions on this, but I feel like that's become as important or even more important than the products themselves, because it feels like the more we look into this world, the more opportunity there is and the more need for kind of that education piece and that kind of conversation piece to kind of break down those, those taboos. Yeah. Um, is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure and I think um I think yeah a few things like we we definitely had the idea for sex toys kind of as the first protocol but I think literally the second thing like literally the probably the next week was the realization that actually there this is going to be both um the taboo that sits around this is going to be both a blessing um as well as a curse um a blessing because it's um well, a curse because it's taboo and a blessing because when you start to break down taboos is when you get, um, you know, a lot of positive traction and um, when you kind of um, are able to unearth, um, you know, uh, feelings and emotions that have been sitting dormant or, or lying just underneath the surface and all of a sudden they're mm. coming to the to the top. Um, and I think, you know, from an advertising and PR perspective, um, anytime you can kind of tap on a taboo that's, that's waiting to kind of be busted down, um, you're going to get a lot more traction. So it's kind of been, you know, 
playing within this kind of double-edged sword and I guess I would just say as well like um we're, I don't think we're creating a movement I think we're jumping on one that's that's yeah. bubbling under this under the surface and it has been for a long time and I and I think um people are just waiting for um you know activists and other people and brands to start to actually really shine a big light on this space and on the stuff that they're already thinking feeling or in some cases talking about amongst themselves um mm. but has, just hasn't kind of had that sort of push to be brought fully to the mainstream yet and into the sort of mainstream consciousness and i hope i hope that the work that we're doing will allow us to help with that um yeah. to sort of give rise to those sort of voices but yeah absolutely like we I think we realized really soon that the taboo nature of this topic was going to be something that in some cases like when we're trying to post like Facebook ads is a real pain in the ass um, <laughs> yeah. but in most other cases when you know when as soon as you start to talk to anybody about it it just means that we've got something that's playing in a really unique space and also um that means that our work can be elevated to an area that's so much more meaningful because it hasn't had that space to breathe there exist in the world yet no absolutely and i think i've i think that's been a really interesting part of it is like exactly as you say that there is a movement that's already in existence and i think kind of because we have the benefit of seeing lots of different countries because we come from lots of different countries and we're based in lots of different countries um we've been seeing how those movements have developed kind of at lo different local levels and different rates but the the reason the reason the book came about in answer to your question andrew which i realized was a long time ago sorry <laughs> it, was, um, <laughs> it was actually it was actually heather's idea um she came to me one day and said, um, I've got a great idea, let's make a handy book about sex and disability. And my first reaction was, absolutely not. <laughs> we had more than enough on our plate. I was like, please God, let's just concentrate on what we're doing. Right She's got that same enthusiasm to the rest of the project. <laughs> exactly. It's funny because Heather and I work well. We've come up with a lot of ideas in our time, haven't we? Um, to be honest, oh, yeah. very few of them get off the ground. But we often have ideas, whether or not they make it to fruition is a different discussion. But um, it all, it often happens the same way, which is Heather will say something and then I'll say definitely not, and then overnight I'll think about it and I'll be like a hundred percent yes. <laughs> Come full circle. So that's kind of what happens. So she said. She said, let's make a book. I said, no. I woke up in the morning and thought, it's the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> so, um, we started working on the book. And that's actually how you and I started communicating more regularly, wasn't it, Andrew? That's the first time I saw your pretty face. That's via right. the yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, and, you know, I'm really happy that the book brought us together because it also brings in different perspectives and it brings in different um, viewpoints to make something completely that that we that, that I don't think any of us were expecting to do and so I love being able to sit with you and Katie and have those discussions about turning something into you know turning again these conversations into something tangible it's really cool yeah exactly no you're so right so I um just sorry, on the, I was just no you go ahead and I'll, I'll jump in after well um I was just going to give a little bit of background to the form the book is taking um because we oh, yeah, that was, I was gonna give. Cool. <laughs> yeah yeah so wise um because we've been on a bit of an evolution with that as well i think it's funny because when you first said book heather i think we all had different things in our mind like you and me and andrew and mm. um and we so we all got on a call i think it was um me and andrew and katie oh no sorry the four of us 
originally and just kind of talk through what we all had in our heads and kind of got through to kind of a bit of a pathway I suppose and I think the way we were thinking about it and something you said right at the beginning Angie was about the fact that what we wanted more than anything was for this to be about um, feelings and emotions and um, and about the fact that sometimes the sex and disability discussions can be a bit um, clinical or like um, a bit dry maybe um, and we wanted to to override that entirely and make it much more emotive than people talk about people's actual journeys and stories. Yeah. Um, and I think the way we got to a bit of a pathway was it with it was we kind of asked ourselves who the audience was. And for us, that was absolutely the disabled community, secondary audience, non-disabled community, but first and foremost, it's for the disabled community. And then what the key outtake was going to be. So what feeling did we want people to leave after reading it with? Um, and Katie said at the time, um, I want people to know that they're not alone. And for me, that was like a massive step change. So I was like, okay, I get it. We're like sharing the voices from the disabled community, um, people from different countries and cultures and sexualities and genders and colors and crucially with different disabilities and then bringing their lived experiences to life, like through a series of kind of curated quotes um, or however they want to um, contribute, not necessarily written word it could be um could be prose could be visuals could be illustrations um and that was the moment for me where it all kind of came together yeah it's been it has been a journey to get there because i remember when heather said book i thought much like you just like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be this book that's gonna be a, like this big thing and it was really daunting and then heather was like no no it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be this little handy guidebook a nice little something to flip through that you can access when you want that's really like compact and easy to and digestible it's not going to be a huge like textbook about all the things it's going to be a, something that people will want to dive into so i think what it's what we thought it was and what it's kind of growing into has been quite a transformation yeah totally yeah and it's not like nobody needs another tech textbook sitting around like there's plenty of those right and and then as soon as you start to go into that vein as well you start to get fall back into that sort of dry clinical maybe basic um basic um like look and feel whereas i think when and the work that you guys have done on the on the book um, and even just sort of involving different people within the community has just allowed it to evolve into, into a space that is so much more fresh and rich and even now when i say book i kind of cringe because it's so much more than just a book and we're looking at mm. you know different ways that we can sort of bring it to life but um it's really a collection of people's stories and voices and unearthing um unearthing them in such a way that they've never actually been like and, and i guess birthing them into the world in a way that's um never really happened before so i think it's taken on this sort of um like uh, much more important and like weighty feel but in like a really positive way so it's not flippant that you would just sort of flip through um mm. but it's also not something that's going to weigh you down um and it should kind of um surprise you and lift you up um as you're going through it no i think that's absolutely right i think it's really we found on the journey that it's been really important to kind of treat these stories with the respect and reverence and warmth that they deserve because i think what I've found hearing people's different stories and perspectives, um, like sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to get to those answers. Like what the kind of questions we're asking, I'll, I'll kind of talk through a few, but there's kind of say 10 to 12 topic areas, if you like, and they cover everything from 
like best and worst sexual experiences to body image so your perception of your body image but also societies like the pleasure and pain paradox and the the role of role play and um things along those lines and like what's the sexiest thing anyone's ever said to you about your disability so like quite broad and wide-ranging but sometimes those things are quite hard to talk about and like we're asking people to um talk about things that are kind of quite fundamental to their perception of themselves and um their understanding of society and i think i think you said to me <laughs> one time andrew because obviously you and you and katie have both answered all the questions and you said like sometimes it's quite hard like you have to have a break afterwards because you've been you've been on a journey with it yourself a little bit yeah and it has been it's been really rewarding to write to write this up and i remember when you first sent me the the questions to answer i did like five and then i was like oh wow that's a lot like it's a lot to <laughs> tell somebody and it's a lot to also when you're writing it down versus speaking it from in my case I wrote it down and I did like I did kind of just write it and so you have to be really careful about how what you how you write it and the words you're using and so it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to say that would both be something somebody would want to digest and hear about and that isn't just like oh being disabled and, and not having access to sex can be hard boom it I wanted it to be something that was like funny and pithy and playful. And so finding that voice, but knowing that it's going to be consumed by somebody later was a challenge. Mm. Well, you did it. Cause I guess like, what, I guess the other interesting thing just on that point is that like, um, so not only are these the first time that people are potentially trying to sort of um, think about it, well, not think about maybe, but communicate um, externally, like some of these feelings and, and experiences and stories, but it's also potentially the first time they've ever been asked those questions quite so pointedly, because a lot of times, um, you know, people with disabilities are, are assumed to be, um, to not be having sex or to not be sexual at all. And so mm. that can be, and whether or not they found their community of people that they're actually able to talk to, not only is it the first time that they're trying to express some of these things potentially, um, but also in, in a lot of cases, the first time they've ever been asked. Um, and so it's just, I can imagine would have been a really um, interesting journey and sometimes could be quite confronting as well, or really sort of make you step back and have a, have a deeper think. Andrew, is that kind of what it felt like when you were going through? Yeah, I mean the first couple, the first couple questions, I I was they were light and easy and no problem. And then as as the questions got more involved and more intense, and I was asked to really sit and think, I had to be like, wow, that's that's a that's a lot to to think about. But also knowing that I I had never been asked, you know, in an in something, what is the sexiest thing someone's ever said to you about your disability? And I never really that's I never encountered that question in all of my work as a disabled person I'd never encountered that so it was it was a it was a an exercise in learning how to how to how to create a create a narrative around this stuff mm -hmm. for the first time and I think that's awesome but also it was it was something new Mm. Yeah, which is, I think says a lot, right? Because you've been working in this space for the better part of a decade um, and have been talking a lot about sex and disability for the better part of a decade. Um, so then to be able to be asked questions that you've never even come across um, and you start to extrapolate that out to people who haven't been sort of working in this space for quite as long or, or at all, um, you can yeah, see how it's quite a big, um, the, the piece of work and the body of work is quite important. I mean, I think it was different too because a lot of my work as a disability awareness consultant has been to to almost like a character. When I go out there on social media and I do stuff, I I 
have a certain voice that I know I'm going to use. I have a certain boundary that I know I'm going to put up against me and whatever I'm feeling a little bit to, you know, protect myself. This was like, don't have that boundary, bear all the feelings and put it down in a paragraph <laughs> and hope that it goes. So it was a different, I had to divest myself of, of kind of my social media persona and just write from what I was feeling. And that was, that was new. Mm, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. No wonder yeah. it's that much harder, like an extra layer. I mean, it was great because it forced me to look at stuff I never looked at before, but it was something I had to just like, don't, don't write like Andrew Gerza, the consultant, right? Mm. Just as yourself. And that was, that was, that was new. Yeah. What I've loved about the answers as well is um, for the very same questions, we're getting such a wide variety of Such responses. a huge variety. Yeah. Yeah. It's massive. And like in the, in the answers, they can be kind of beautiful and hilarious and filthy and powerful and painful and raw and all of those things, but sometimes all at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's so, so special to be able to see that. And then I think, for example, with the role, pe- role play question, like you yourself, Andrew, I remember you saying that um, uh, you like to be quite submissive in, in the bedroom because like, you feel like you're in control of so much of your life, like day to day, like your care routine, what time you eat, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then I've had other people say like pretty much the reverse, that they feel out of control um because of accessibility issues and restrictions and all of those things and so they want to be like the kind of dominatrix in the bedroom um and everyone's coming from such different perspectives but about the very same thought and that's what i'm really loving is like the richness of those answers and the massively wide variety i mean it's really kind of hitting home that disability is not a monolith disability is not one thing and like there's so many layers to it and i think this is what people for myself included forget sometimes it, it isn't just about me as a wheelchair user as the as the disabled person there's so many more stories and I, that's what I'm excited about with this this book is that it's bringing those stories that everybody has that they may have tweeted to their friends or they may have done talked about it over I am but never really told somebody here are the stories mm-hmm. there, that's really cool yeah exactly and I think I think we always knew from like the the very beginning that we could create something that would be interesting but it, the more we delve into this and the more responses we get i think the more we realize that it could be something really powerful and um i i personally and i'm sure you both feel the same i feel a real responsibility with that that, that we're taking people's stories and like they're so heartfelt that we have to treat them with the care and respect they deserve oh yeah they're they're the holy grail yeah. you have to remember that like somebody agreed to tell you that some, sometimes they're like deepest darkest you know not darkest but they're deepest most private. Darkest. yeah yeah <laughs> they're the most private sexual thing and then you're asking them to add the layer of disability onto that which is also like kind of scary and so i do agree with you that it totally has to be treated with the utmost respect and like kindness and gentleness to 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 really honor what they're putting up what they're offering to us Mm, yeah absolutely um can you kind of tell us how you know so so we're getting these responses can you tell us how we are or how how you have kind of looked to curate these responses like where are we getting them from and how are they Mm. to us well we're very lucky um because we're getting them from lots and lots of lovely people um from loads of different directions so some of them are 
our immediate friends so people in our circle um so uh, obviously katie and um one of my other cousins is contributing and some of your friends are contributing but then also some of the people that have been on the handy journey with us so i know that we've had um contributions from some of the people who've been um in the research groups for the handy product designs for example um but then also influences in the disability space and the disability and sexuality space um, and then just people we admire whose voices we really respect and want to hear from. So a massively broad gambit, basically. Yeah. And we've been sending out a ton of emails to, to influencers, to friends, to people. And anybody listening, if you want to get involved, you can email me at Andrew at that handy and I can send you the stuff because we would love more voices um, because I think it's so, so important. But I love the amount of people that have come back to us and said oh yeah thank you so much for including me like thank you for asking me i never i really want to be included i never been asked this before but thank you and the, mm-hmm. the number of thanks that i received just in dms over the last week or two for people saying wow this is great thank you like it's it shows you and i think it shows all of us that there's a need for this and what we're doing is not just we're not just putting out something there that somebody somebody's going to pass on by it's really really wanted by within the community yeah absolutely and i think um one of the things if you are thinking of contributing is you don't have to answer all 14 questions because i know that can sound overwhelming some people have just responded to one that they feel particularly attracted to or interested in and some people have done all 10 or sorry all 14 (laughs) we did have 10 originally it evolved (laughs) and um yeah like however many or few or whatever and in, in whatever format you want to contribute so um claymation Poetry, the world's your oyster, or just claymation. words, just old-fashioned wow. words. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm down for some claymation. Uh, <laughs> claymation. <laughs> Somebody want to do that for me and do a, a stop animation? I'm here for that. Perfect, done. Um, and so, what formats do you think the book is going to be in? Like, what do we think the book's going to come in? Mm, no, that's a good question. So um, obviously it's really important that it's fully accessible. Um, so we have a range of formats. Um, we're going to have a kind of hard, we're calling it a coffee table book, but we'll, we'll find a, a different descriptor for it as soon as we figure that out. Um, and uh, we'll also have an audio book, obviously, and we'll have an e-book. So if anyone uh, would love to volunteer for the audio book, we do need a, nar- a narrator. So that would be awesome. Let us know if you have a particular <laughs> dulcet voice. <laughs> we need your dulcet tones. Yeah, so I'd like to ask you a question about not the book for a second. Um, oh. Well, sort of about the book. Have you... Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Have you um, experienced any unexpected side effects from working on this book? Or, well, not side effects, some unexpected feelings or views on disability that maybe you didn't have before that have come to light? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, unexpected side effects, and I know Heather will attest to this as well. I, I feel like I've normalized talking about sex a lot <laughs> and given that I'm living in my parents house at the moment sometimes I forget what I'm leaving on my computer screen <laughs> like, oh, no. some, some of the commentary and some of the visuals often are maybe not what I'd necessarily like to spend time looking at with my parents um but you just kind of get used to it <laughs> it just becomes kind of part of the everyday and I know you've had the same experience haven't you Heather 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I just, things just come out of my mouth and I'm like, and then you could just like bend it over and take it from behind. And then I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, exactly. um, and I also have to constantly remind myself that not everybody feels like as comfortable talking about sex and sex lives as I might. And I probably well, didn't before. And so I have to stop myself sometimes from just like approaching random people and also disabled people and asking them about their yeah. sex lives. It's inappropriate. Yeah. It's funny how quickly it just becomes part of the everyday and you're like, oh, this is fine. Talking about masturbation. All good. And then I guess the other thing that's been like a really lovely side effect that um, I just never expected, but it's made me so delighted is... Um, I get to speak to my cousins really regularly. Um, like I'm, I've always been like, I'm a big family person. I've always been really close to my cousins, but you know, it's like day to day life gets in the way, right? And you don't get a chance to catch up as often as you'd like. And I feel like I understand them now on a whole different level, like so much deeper because they've talked to me about this stuff that's so important to them and so raw and so um, emotive, I guess. Um, and I, I just wasn't aware of like, the struggles they were going through, I suppose, and like what day-to-day life was like. And with the um, with the book, when um, you and Katie were both doing your answers, Andrew, um, Katie obviously went through that period where she was um, coming off some of her drugs and she was being put onto new drugs. And so she um, was having withdrawals initially and she was in a really bad way. And um, I wouldn't have known about that probably if we hadn't been doing this. I wouldn't have known that she was going through that and I couldn't have been able to kind of, send my love and hopefully um, support her a little bit along that journey. So, yeah, I think that's been really unexpected, but so incredibly lovely. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the things that I really appreciate in doing this with some non-disabled people too, is just what you said there, just about the awareness, the things you wouldn't know. And I think part of my brand and part of what makes me so excited about doing this is that giving people the tools to, to realize what they didn't know without, without shaming them for it feels really nice feels Mm. really like exciting to be like oh you didn't know let me show you instead of like rolling my eyes and being like why didn't you know you should know like Mm. it's really nice to bring somebody into that experience who's totally fresh and who maybe has some ignorance around it but is willing to like learn and willing to be shown that's really cool and that that makes me excited that it isn't just a you know a disabled book it's for this community but it's saying everyone whether you're disabled or not has has a right to have access to these conversations and I think that's really cool no you're so right and I think that kind of building a bridge piece between the two communities that's really important for me too now in a way that I I didn't expect maybe I feel like these two worlds the like disabled world and non-disabled world kind of exist slightly in parallel and a lot of that's to do with accessibility which is another area that I'm kind of getting my head around a lot more um yeah. but yeah I think well, um, somebody called go on sorry I was just gonna say like you're so right it's like they exist in these two parallel worlds but I think the thing that we all need to remember is um that like somebody the other week called me a tab which I'd never heard of as a as a reference before but it means temporarily able-bodied um, mm. and I think it's just this the reality of these two worlds existing quite differently until they don't until you're you incur some form of disability and that doesn't necessarily always come with aging but quite often it does um, and um, you know none of us really know what, exactly what tomorrow holds for us and so mm-hmm. the more work, work we can do today to bring these two worlds into a singular existence 
the better for ourselves, not just for the community and for everybody, but you can take it as a very self selfish um, endeavor mm. as well, because um, it's only going to help us ourselves later and obviously have tons of knock-on effects from a community and societal and cultural perspective as well mm-hmm. yeah, totally it's like it's like disability insurance sort of it's like huh? <laughs> yeah. if we talk about it now when you turn 65 and and your body starts changing in a way you're maybe not ready for you'll sort of know what to do if you just yeah. engage with that part of yourself but people are scared and so i think and you know heather and i have talked about this heather was scared to kind of delve into this stuff at the beginning too and now her and I can have so much so much more deeper conversations as she's learning and I think that's it's just really exciting for me when we when her and I talk when you and I talk Heather about to hear you say something that I've known forever but it's new information for you and it's exciting because I'm like oh great she can learn about this now and it it will change her perspective and that's I think really powerful Mm. Yeah, it's been an awesome journey. Like it's been such an eye-opening um, experience, um, and the more that you sort of engage in conversations in the space and hear people's stories and experiences, um, the more understanding you have and empathy you're able to have. And hopefully, that all of that sort of understanding and empathy just gets poured into what we're trying to build at Handy. And it's like every time we talk to somebody new, it's like I have like five million other ideas of what we can do to <laughs> yeah. to, to, to build those bridges, right? Um, and to help sort of put pleasure within reach in different ways. So yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. Um, we kind of touched on the next question I had, so I'm going to jump to another one. Um, I'm trying to see what I haven't asked you. Um, <laughs> Do you have any questions about sex and disability for me, Jess, or for us, for the community out there listening that you maybe haven't asked before that you wanted to ask? Stuff that you maybe have been scared to ask, but now that we're here and now that you know me a little bit, you can ask. (laughs) Well, by the very nature of um, (laughs) this project, I know quite a lot about hearing sex and disability, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Probably more than I ever would have imagined. I think some of your quotes are some of my favourite ever. Like, um, what's the one where you said, sometimes I just walk, want to walk into a bar and say to the first hot guy I see, I want to be your slutty bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're going to get on well. <laughs> that, is, that, that, is, that was one of my favourite quotes, so much so that in our WhatsApp chat for the book, we are now referred to as the slutty bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have high to say, like, I have to say the bravery that you have from a, like, pickup perspective, like, to be able to go into a bar and pick somebody up in that way, like, I, I still can't do that. <laughs> so I still have, like, so much to learn from you in terms of just, mm-hmm. like, owning it and being, and having that sort of level of, um, bit like bravery and just kind of going for things um, because mm-hmm. I still don't aren't, aren't able to sort of do that when I when I'm in the bar I mean the truth is I'm a shy wallflower like that that little bit of persona is oh, yeah me- <laughs> 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 I mean no but a lot of my social media stuff has been me kind of curating a persona when in real life I'm shy and awkward and I often worry because of disability and because of all the things that I encounter in a day will somebody like me if, because I'm disabled? And so even though I go and do that stuff and I'm very, I have bravado about it, 
that's kind of like a security blanket for me. If I, if I project this really confident person, and people ask me all the time, where do you get your confidence from? And I'm like, really, I'm not this, where, where, do, you, where do you see the confidence? Because I don't. So I think I project that as a safety mechanism for me. If I project this, then maybe it'll come true. So it's mm-hmm. not always there. Bit of manifestation, I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, did you have any burning questions? Oh, sorry, sorry. In answer to your question, um, I guess it's kind of less about sex and disability explicitly. Um, it's more about, I know that I've heard from a few people, including um, Katie, that when COVID first hit, um, it was it was a really weird feeling because suddenly the whole able-bodied community was kind of forced, inverted commas, into this inaccessible world all of a sudden, which is, you know, the world that Katie's been living in for a long time, like having to stay between four walls largely at home um, for the majority of the time. Um, and now that the lockdowns are lifting in most places around the world, um, she's got kind of mixed feelings about that. Like on the one hand, um, it's really good because it's been proven that people can work from home <laughs> really easily. And so all those um, excuses for not hiring disabled people about saying you can't work from home all the time. Well, that's kind of out the window now. So that's great. So hopefully that lasts and it'll create more jobs for the disabled community. But on the other hand, she kind of felt a real community spirit, I suppose, about everyone being in the same situation to her. Um, and everyone, I hope I'm not um, misquoting her here. Um, I hope I'm not paraphrasing too badly but um i'd love to know what your perspective is on that how did you feel when everyone was suddenly at home more regularly in that kind of inaccessible environment yeah i talk about it a lot on on my quarantine and chill series on this on on this podcast where i like invite disabled people on to talk about this but i'll say that that um no i feel i felt i did feel a sense of camaraderie and i did feel a sense of like everybody gets to slow down now and everybody gets to slow down. And so part of what I kind of did was like, I have expertise about what it means to stay home forever and what it means to be self-isolate and like what it means to do all that. Why don't I use my expertise to teach people? And so I spent a lot of time on my social media being like, hey, if you're not disabled and you're at home for the first time for a long period of time and you're feeling isolated, here's some things you can do, you know, brought to you by a disabled person. And so I think like it was really it was community building and now that things are starting to lift, I'm starting to see that ableism come back again where people aren't wearing masks. They're not social distancing. Like they're not today. I was walking down the street to go somewhere and like four or five workmen without masks, like all came in a big crowd up against me. And I was like, well, great. This is like, why isn't, why does no one care? And it just felt like when we were all forced to do it and we were all forced to stay home, there was this sense of like we're all doing it it feels okay now it feels like the ableism is coming back a little bit again and that feels weird yeah i can well believe it yeah it's funny because i think it was in a way it was kind of easier when it was binary like when it was like everyone stay at home full stop and now that um the rules are lessened and because they're different from country to country and in some cases from state to state um that makes it so much harder and people are kind of doing whatever they feel comfortable with which is kind of not necessarily the best way because it's yeah it can be pretty selfish and you know to move the covid conversation to sex a little bit it's been five months <laughs> since, since i've got to have some sex 
because of COVID and because of my disabilities and because like I've had to be extra conscious. So I do, I miss that. I miss like being able to be that slutty bottom that we talked about. Um, <laughs> I don't get to access that part of myself right now and it sucks. But yeah. I also, um, Andrew, I that makes all of yeah. us. <laughs> hey, Andrew, what are yeah. you doing um, or have you found any kind of like um, ways around that or um, ways to kind of access that part of yourself has like even being involved in this book has it helped or has it made it worse because now you're like thinking about sex all the time like in those COVID months where obviously you're not able to have people come into your space whether it's people that you pick up or people that you hire like how have you kind of bridged that sort of gap and fulfilled that need if you've been able to um, have you found any sort of like creative ways yeah I mean I the some of the workers that I work with have you know I would hire somebody to come over for an, an hour and I'd pay that money and I now I pay like a fraction of that for them to do a sexy video where they say my name mm. and they like jerk themselves off on camera for me to watch and so I've had to like switch my switch my ideas of what is sensual and really get into like digital like you know sexy texting and like that kind of stuff so it's hard because there are some people who are who are quarantined together, who are coupling and who are still able to talk about their sex lives. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it feels, it does feel kind of lonely because I, I wouldn't go five months without accessing some form of sexuality. And so I, I, but I don't think the book has made me think, Oh no, this is worse. I think it's allowed me to reflect on how I really feel about stuff and be able to put that into something that somebody will be able to, read eventually so that's kind of cool is that i get to use all those emotions and know that somebody will hopefully find them helpful yeah i reckon in terms of really whoever's coming up and if they're listening um with the pre- uh, pandemic preparedness plan for next time you can all give us maybe like two weeks notice to get our like pandemic buddies in place um <laughs> that would be really helpful <laughs> or even many pandemic buddies yeah, yeah let, me get my, let me get my sex bubble ready. <laughs> sex bubble. <laughs> Perfect. Um, let's jump a little bit back into the book and kind of tell people how they can, what we want get them to do, do to get involved. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, there's three main ways, I think, but um, feel free to add any more if I've forgotten any. The first one is um, contributions themselves. So if you want to contribute something delicious, um, as I say, it doesn't have to be all the questions, could just be one or two, or even if you just want to see the questions, just purely out of your own interest, that's fine. Um, if you go to thatshandy.co, um, then drop us a message through there and uh, we'll send them through to you. The second thing is we are looking for someone to voice that audiobook. So um, if you have delicious dulcet tones, then please let us know. Again, same way, that's handy.co, just drop us a note. Um, and the third one, <laughs> slightly awkwardly is um dollar dollar bills um so we are looking for contributions for the book um we've we kind of exist at the moment what's the expression heather we are revenue we're not quite revenue positive because we obviously haven't got the um the product line out as yet yeah, we're pre, um, we're not, pre-revenue. <laughs> pre-revenue, there we go. That's the official tech, tech land word. Um, so we don't, we don't make any money yet. So um, we uh, largely are able to work through product development and research through a series of grants. And um, if we're lucky, um, some contributions from other people. Um, but we don't pay ourselves salaries or anything, nothing like that. So any of the money you contribute will go directly into the creation of the book in terms of design and printing. 
Um, it all goes purely for production, not to anyone's pockets. So if you would like to get involved in that um, and throw us a, a little chunk of change, that would be massively very well Throw us a sexy very, bone. Very <laughs> there yeah. we go. And um, you, can, you can do that at um, that'shandy.co uh, slash donate. Um, or you can find it directly through our website in the menu. And I'll make sure that all that stuff is directly in our show notes um, so that if you're listening on the Disability After Dark feed, you can just click there and it'll take you right there. Um, Chess Tarpy, did you have any last sexy words for us today? <laughs> That's awkward. I've got no sexy words. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute delight. <laughs> it was so fun to sit down with you. And I, I, I just giggled the whole time. So it was great. <laughs> Perfect. So nice to chat to you both. See you soon. It was great. It's so awesome to chat with you Amazing. too. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. 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 And that was episode four of the Handicast. One of the things I really loved about this episode was hearing Jess and Heather talk about how some of the responses they read over in us curating this book for Handy really made them rethink and reconsider some of the things they may have not thought about when it comes to sex and disability. And that's my most favorite part about doing this with my sister and being able to sit with Heather is to, to talk with her through some of her own ableist assumptions that she maybe didn't realize and, and she's learning as she goes. And I just think that is one of the most important parts of doing this with her. And I loved hearing how working on this book has helped them, has helped both Jess and Heather to see things somewhat differently and to see the experiences of disabled people in a different light. And that's really, really important to me. And I'm really, really proud of that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Handicast 2. And thank you so much for listening to episode 4. If you want to be a part of a handicast or you want to come and talk about your experiences with self-pleasure and masturbation on an episode with us, with the two of us, you can do that by emailing me at andrew at that's handy. That's andrew at t-h-a-t-s-h-a-n-d-i dot co. That's andrew at that's handy dot co. And I would love to book you in for a Handicast episode to talk with Heather and I, and it would be really fun. If you want to contribute to our book or be a part of that, you can also email me at that same email address, andrew at that'shandy.co, and you can I can send you the stuff to let you know how you can contribute and what we're looking for. I can send you the briefs and all that stuff. You can also head over to our website, www.that'shandy.co, where you can also donate to um, put in some money to contribute to the book if you want to help us to get things like um, printing done and all that kind of stuff. So really, any money that you contribute to the book will go back in into the company itself. So we'd love your support if you're able. But that was episode four of The Handicast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Andrew Gerza. My co-host is Heather Morrison. And our guest this week was Jess Tarpey. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music 
was by music by space robot scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020